Hey folks, welcome back to the DC3 cast. My name is Brian. With me, as always, are Vince and Zach. We are here to talk about week three of DC's future state titles. So this is the first time we're getting a second issue of a title, as well as getting, um, we have uh, all new titles to talk about. So um, let's start because we have to start in alphabetical order with um, Future State Catwoman number one. This is written by Ram V, who is the current Catwoman writer and the Catwoman writer coming out of Future State and illustrated by old friend of the show, Otto Schmidt, who we really enjoyed Otto's work on Green Arrow in Rebirth. So um, this story sees uh, Selena Kyle working with a crew of different... um, I don't know if you call them vigilantes or whatever, but basically they are trying to shut down a train that the magistrate is taking um, like young people who are at risk to basically it looks like, like a re-education camp or something along those lines. Um, there's a there's a sort of surprise appearance at the end we'll talk about in a minute. But overall, Zach, I want to start with you. What did you think of Catwoman number one? Um, I liked it mostly just for the art, really. Um, the story was fine. I think we've talked before on here. No, maybe it was on Manga Club. I think we talked about, um, how train stories are almost always good. Um, because like a train is just like a good set piece. Um, and I think that holds true here. Um, but yeah, I mean, like Otto Schmidt's art is just so good and, and the writing was pretty, pretty good as well. Um, there wasn't a, a lot going on in this book necessarily. It was mostly, um, you know, just kind of like setting up for Selena to get on the train, but there are some pretty good moments and, um, yeah, generally I really liked this issue. What about you, Vince? Yeah. Uh, Otto Schmidt's art is awesome. I think, um, I think like, yeah, the, des- the designs are so unique and, and attractive. And I think like, um, that was important for this comic because, uh, a lot of the people you'll notice who are, um, being, uh, thrown in this train by the magistrate, uh, tend to be, people who are traditionally like uh, marginalized or, or made fun of by like, let's say right wing media or something like that, you know, like they're, they're, they're very like the group of people that's thrown on this train are, it's a diverse group. And I think they're meant to look a certain way compared to the magistrate, you know? And I think Otto Schmidt, I think Schmidt's design work brings a lot of that out and makes that, abundantly clear you know um just who who the victims here are you know um and i think the action on the train is all very well staged i think he's always been very good at that um i think the thing that i'm realizing about the bat adjacent books here in future state is that they're they're all very simple you compare them to the superman ones and the superman ones have more exposition um there's there's more plot to each individual issue um and that's that's not a good or bad thing i'm just noticing it as a pattern you know i feel like you can't judge a book by the amount of plot that it has you know um 
it's just an observation I'm making, but like this is a very slick sort of heist comic about Catwoman and a, a, a group of teens breaking some people out of this train. It's a, it's basically a train robbery, you know? Um, the next Batman issues were very slick. The dark detective, you know, was pretty simple and straightforward. Um, and I think like, this does a good job of being that type of comic. It doesn't necessarily, it doesn't feel slight. I don't think, but it's, it is, it is, it is to the point, you know, I think is what I'm trying to say. May I make an unpopular comparison for this? And sure. I, I want to say, I really like this issue. I really did. Um, but to me, this very much felt like a new 52 number one in the sense of, I feel like a lot of those number ones all started with a big action set piece to get us like into the mood of the new title each one of them tended to introduce a bunch of new cast members for the book. And, um, yeah, uh, it just, it, to me, it felt like a new 52 number one. One of the better ones, but I, I, am I crazy for feeling that way? Um, I don't know. I wouldn't say you're crazy. I, I don't know if I see that or saw that, but like, I don't think that's a unfair comparison necessarily. It's definitely better than most anything <laughs> in the new yeah. too, I think. I've thought that about other books in Future State for sure. Um, we, we even might talk about one this episode that felt like that to me. I wouldn't have said that about this issue, but I think the fact that I think the fact that multiple issues uh, of this event do feel like that lends validity to you saying this issue felt like that to you, if that makes well, sense. Yeah, I, I also think that it's it's pretty easy to see, and this could be all my bullshit, but I, I think it's pretty easy to see which of these were set up to be ongoings when it was supposed to be 5G resetting everything. Like, to me, this very much feels like the first issue of an ongoing series. Mm -hmm. You get a lot of new characters, you get the new status quo right up front you also get this sense that like you're somewhat joining the story in media rest where like it seems like selena has done this type of thing before and we're seeing like the most recent version of this but not necessarily the first version of this it just to me very much felt like the start of a new series um the only thing that i will say that somewhat undoes that is the bit at the end of the issue where we see both Talia al Ghul and Bruce Wayne. I think that those elements feel more, more like future state than an ongoing series. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this this was the issue that made me sit down and pull out the old DC future state timeline to see how all this stuff is supposed to be mapping out. How was uh, it all supposed to be mapping out? <laughs> well, this takes place two years before Dark Detective, mm -hmm. roundabout. Okay. Um, this pl takes place concurrently with pretty much every bad book, except for Dark Detective, and 
I'm going to guess maybe the Batgirl story we got this week. No, it's in there. Really? It's it's in the 2025 designation. That's I, interesting. There is no way I'm going to get myself to learn or care when all of these are taking place. <laughs> I realize. Um, yeah, there's no way I'm going to try to. But I do like I do like how as we go through this event we are seeing things revealed that have been hinted to us. Like, you know, what Bruce was doing before Dark Detective, number one, was hinted to us through exposition or through even through other books other than that one. Um, and now we actually s- physically see him in, the, in a comic that takes place before that. And I do like that. I'm not going to pay too much attention to where everything is landing because I just feel like that if I do that, that's just taking some of the fun out of experiencing this to, for me. Um, that's interesting because I I want to know where everything is and like how it connects. Really? Oh no! Yeah. I, yeah. As usual, I fall somewhere between you guys. I would say <laughs> that if this was going to be the new status quo long term. I would have that shit memorized. I agree with that. I agree with that. If this was more than a two month, yes. Yep. If this was more than a two month band aid, I would probably put more effort into that. Yeah. Yeah, I just want to know. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's good. Honestly, I don't think that's bad. I, I want, just... Like, one of my biggest complaints I think I would make with Future State so far is that. Like, I'm definitely enjoying individual stories on their own, but because we are kind of dropped in media res and we're only essentially going to get, like, two issues for most of these stories, I'm just afraid that I think individually, like, there are going to be good stories that I really like and resonate with. And on a whole, I'm going to feel left kind of cold by this experiment just because I think it's just not going to amount to much of anything at all. And... So by at least trying to like put it in some kind of like framework where I can fill in gaps and kind of like imagine stories between the stories, I think I'm going to end up being maybe a little disappointed by the the structure of the event, not necessarily the books themselves. Mm-hmm. And what's wild about that is I really I mean, we've said this before. I really think it was supposed to be different. And if it if it were different, like this, this is them making mincemeat out of something that was supposed to be bigger. And I think if they let it come out organically and they, they let it be the thing it was going to be, I think, I think you would have gotten more of that, Zach. I think you would yeah. have gotten, you know... And there's a couple of cases in this episode that we're going to talk about future books here that I think are glaring in uh, showing that this was supposed to be something bigger and it suffers by not being that. Now, I still think there's a lot of good stuff in it, like like you said. And, and for the most part, I'm enjoying almost every book, like individually as a work of Cape comic art, you know, Um but boy, like if you're looking for the seams, you you can easily find them. 
for sure. Yeah, I'll agree with that. One of the fun things that I think Future State has been doing is it's been doing a good job of bringing back certain characters and slightly mixing up like the the characters that you're not necessarily seeing like Lex Luthor in the Superman books, right? You're seeing different villains pop up. And so here we see Automatopeia pop up. Of course, who can forget this Kevin Smith creation um, created for, for his uh, Green Arrow run, but was also, I believe, the villain of the Bat book where Bruce shits himself? Pisses himself. Ke- I'm sorry, Kevin pisses himself. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. Pisses himself. Sorry. I forgot which bodily function he lost control of in that story. Snoochie Boochies. Um, illustrated by Walter Flanagan, I believe, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, a thing that happened, folks. That's yeah. Let, lettered by lettered by Steve Dave. <laughs> Not really. Uh, they say, uh, available for purchase only at Fashionable Mail. Um, <laughs> they gave away promotional copies at movies. Of course they did, yes. Um, something, something, Bartleby and Loki. Um, okay, so... <laughs> Again, I thought that the Talia al Ghul reveal at the end here was was pretty fun. Um, I, I generally, I generally like, as Zach said, a train story. I also, I'm a sucker for a good espionage story. So all of that stuff was really fun in this issue. This isn't the most groundbreaking issue we're going to read this week or in this event, but it's a pretty fun, it's a pretty fun little comic. And I think that Ram Vitas continues to show that he has a really good knack for taking almost everything he's given uh, to quote a, a a phrase a friend of mine often says and turn chicken shit into chicken salad like this is probably not the most interesting future state story we're going to get because it's not a new character it's not putting selena in a totally new environment where you know if it was selena in space you could really dig your teeth in and do something <laughs> like weird with that right but this is basically selena being selena and he still finds a way to make it really interesting and really fun selena in space dc you know where to find me <laughs> it'd be like josie and the pussycats in space oh yeah 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 um, so next up, we have Future State Immortal Wonder Woman number one. And this is um, this is one of the books that has a backup in it. Is this the only book we've gotten so far that has one backup in it? I feel like we've gotten multiple backups through a lot of these. Um, it's not really important if you think about it. Well, that. yeah, I don't know. The, the, the Dark Detective book only had one other story in it, didn't it? Or did it have two? I thought that had two. I, I, Justice League did. only had one. Justice League only had Justice League only yeah. had one. Okay. So. Yeah, and the and the Superman of Metropolis book is the same length as Immortal Wonder Woman, but it had two ten-page right. backups. Yes. Yeah. So uh, we have two stories in this. The first one is the Diana story. This one is written by Becky Cloonan and Michael W. Conrad, and illustrated by Jen Bartel. Uh, I just want to take a moment to say how great Jen Bartel's art is in this part. Yes. It was maybe my favorite art of the week. And this this is a week of really good art. This was maybe my favorite art in the whole week. Her stuff is just so 
vibrant and she is partnered here with um I think who are the colors on this? Was it uh I meant to note it in my notes and I forgot to now gotta scroll, gotta scroll. Um Oh she she does her own she does her own colors here. And uh I thought the coloring on this was fantastic as well. It was just I I had thought based on the title of this and sort of the idea that it was gonna be this very dark story and visually it's not dark in the slightest it's really really beautifully illustrated we get some dark side we get old man clark kent i had a lot of fun with this what did you guys think of this vince we'll start with you oh man um i i've been struggling all week to figure out how to express my feelings about this book um I love the way it looks. I love the idea presented here. I feel like I I feel like this comic tells like a 3 or 4 issue story in one issue though. Like You know what I'm saying like yes. like yes. The, the the stuff with and and normally I would think like, you know, normally I complain about decompression in comics, right? Like too little happens in an issue of something. But this like this like the stuff from Diana like retrieving Bruce's belt to the stuff on Themyscira, which like you kind of ha- like you don't really get the full story there. You kind of have to piece together what happened. I'm still not entirely. There's still there's still stuff I feel like I don't know about what happened that I need to see more of this scene with the new God characters on apocalypse is like, there's so much there and yet it's so brief. And then dark side is like, I'm going to earth and then clashing with like so much happens in this issue and it's all so good. And yet I feel like, I feel like tons happened and I missed something. Does that make any sense? It absolutely does to me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I I generally like agree with everything that Brian said. This is a really good looking book. The premise is really interesting. It's very much, you know, like the Jason Aaron Thor thing, you know, Thor at the end of time. It's pretty much that with Wonder Woman. But, I'm a little there's like a point in the story where I was just like real I was like going with everything I'm like yeah this is cool but then there's this, the point in the story where a lot of different things are happening at once dark side is like flying to earth on Themyscira you know they're like debating about what they're going to do there's this like thing that's falling from the sky and it's it's not really clear what it is and then it like impacts with the earth and then it like immediately just shows dark side fighting clark who has not been in the story at all to that point and i was just very confused about if i was supposed to read this is all like happening concurrently like was the, the thing that fell to earth dark side and clark or just dark side or is this like taking place at different points in time because that's what i think that's what i think is happening because at the beginning of the story it says impossibly long ago in the distant future um which 
this story I know because I looked at the timeline takes place at the end of time. So it's like the the bit at the beginning is like a like a flashback, but we don't know like where the flashback ends and where like the end of time stuff necessarily begins i guess is where i'm like very confused and maybe this is like me letting the like timeline stuff ruin the story but i just i just had a hard time following what was going on because like we cut from themiscara being like really beautiful and then that thing crashes and then like everything is destroyed and I, I don't know if that all happened like in an instant or if this is the future. I'm just, I'm rambling because I'm just very confused. I was not confused at all reading this. Um, Tell me what happened then. Now, maybe I'm reading this wrong. I mean, I. W- w- no, because I mean, w- like, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying like I, I like if. I would be interested to like hear how you read it, I guess is what I meant to say that didn't mean to come off as like. As like combative. No, no, no I, I, I didn't take it as combative. Don't worry. Um, yeah, no, I, I just kind of read it as okay. So um, I don't think there's any flashbacks happening here. I think this is all happening uh, essentially in in real time. So we have Diana, and she is you know she goes to the Batcave, she gets the the utility belt from Bruce, and then she goes to Themyscira, and she is um, you know arguing with it with the Amazons. I I guess. This, yeah, because she has she has the belt there, right? So this can't be a flashback because she has the belt she just got, and she's arguing with them about if they're gonna fight or if we're gonna abandon Earth. At the same time, apocalypse is being destroyed, and um, a dark side like turns himself into a rocket and shoots to Earth, which I adore. Um, the thing that they see crashing down is the anti-life thing that is following. Well, rather. We see the anti-life, whatever that thing is, following Darkseid. The thing they see crash to Earth, I took it as Darkseid, and I took it as potentially Darkseid and Superman. I don't know if Superman was... That's the one thing I was confused about, whether Superman met Darkseid in space or if this was him encountering him like as he lands here. But then they fight, and uh, yeah, that's that. I don't think there's any flashbacks at all here. Well, that that like opening time setter just throws me off, though. Then. Well, no, I mean, uh, why? Because it says impossibly long ago in the distant future, so it's like contradictory. But it would right, imply I, to I, me I that like this story is supposed to take place in the far future, and this is. Like the the starting point is the end of time, so impossibly long ago in the dist in our distant future. So what the way I took that is that we are going to eventually see Wonder Woman past this, like in. So you you so you think we're not at like the far end of time? Then. No, yeah, like no. there's more time to go. Exactly. Is how yes. you're that? Okay. Yes. Okay. Um, to, to sort of answer Vince's critique here, I was so thankful this wasn't a six-issue series. I don't need a full issue of Diana talking to Bruce's ghost. I probably got too much of that already in this issue. I don't mm-hmm. need a full issue of Diana arguing with Amazonians that we know are never going to convince her otherwise. We probably already got too much of that in this issue. Like, you Man, know, those Amazonians sucked. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, so th- there, there's just – I feel like this gives us a, a sampler – 
of the various things that would have taken the first six issues of this to tell. And I'm so glad we didn't, we didn't have to waste that time. Yeah, I see. And that's why I say I'm like torn or I'm like struggling for a way to describe how I felt because I, I don't necessarily want more of that stuff or need this to be longer. I just feel like, When I read it, I felt like, wow, that was a lot. (laughs) And like, I know that makes me sound like an idiot, but that's why I'm saying like, I'm, that's why I'm saying I'm struggling to express what I think about this one. You you don't sound like an idiot. You're not the one who went on a panic rant, like for about five minutes about this issue. So no, 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 that's fine. I'm kidding. I know. I know. know It's a joke. It's a joke. It's a joke. It's a joke. The. No, the the thing that really threw me was, so, okay, and maybe I'm bringing too much thought into it, but at the end of Death Metal, right, they talked about how nobody knows where Darkseid is, right? Mm-hmm. This probably has nothing to do with that, you know, because this is a possible DC future, right? Right. So that Darkseid thread from Death Metal is likely something entirely different. Agreed. But that's in the that's in the back of my mind the whole time. And then I'm thinking like, okay, Darkseid comes to Earth and 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 elderly Clark, who like you guys talked about, was not in this issue until this moment. All of a sudden, this feels like it's the climactic moment of like a major future state storyline. Well, <laughs> Happen, so happening in the third week of it. It's interesting you say that. In my notes here, I have written down that this feels like the end of the DC universe as started in death metal. And here's why in death metal, it's where Diana kind of ascends to be like the most important part of the Trinity, which has never really happened before. It also sees swamp thing become an incredibly important member of the DC universe, which again, is something that hasn't really been swamp things always been at the periphery, but death metal made him way more important than he's been in the past. And I think that death metal also is the time when the Trinity has felt the most unified in a while. There's no like infighting among the Trinity here. And so Diana's positive memories of Bruce and her continued involvement with Clark and having dark side there and having swamp in there. This felt like this felt like the end of a DC universe. Yeah, and so maybe so maybe the tie to death metal is a little more than I am giving it credit for. Um, but it just felt like that's the thing that threw me more than anything. Like, oh my God, this feels like it should be one of the most important things happening in Future State, and it's happening in the third week of it. And see, and, it, it's funny you say that because I don't think this is – is this a four-issue series or is this a two-issue series? Two. Two? I feel like the second issue is going to have nothing to do with this issue. I think, yeah, I think yeah, that, that's going to really throw me, but I think you're right. <laughs> I think that, and I think in a way, this series is going to be very connected to the Wonder Woman series. That's that's starting after, or the Wonder Woman's like the pickup point after future state where she's in the realm of the gods. I kind of see this being like the thematic link to that. Yeah. Which is another weird part of Future State, that some things 
are very much going to carry forward and some things are never going to be mentioned again at the end of this. That that is that's the strangest thing to me. Okay, actually, you know what? Sorry, we we, we just solved our own question here. If you look at these pages, we see Darkseid and Clark they do collide in space. Okay. So I didn't have it in my notes. Um yeah. Oh, you're right. That does happen. So I, I, I don't I don't want to make it sound like I, I'm not trying to be negative about this issue. I just and I'm not confused is not the right word either. It's just like I liked so much of the elements and then to me like I'm just conf- I'm not confused, but like conflicted about how it works as a single issue. If that makes any sense. Sure. Yeah. I think I'm fascinated man, by it. That that Clark thing really just like <laughs> cleared up the whole issue for me. The fact that you pointed out that one panel that I guess I just overlooked. Um yeah, I think your reading is correct. This is all happening in like one little sequence. But like Ben said, it's just a lot for a twenty page story. Sure. Sure. I do um, want to point out my favorite little design function here is that Clark's cape is now tied by like a uh a piece of rope the way Captain Marvel's cape always is. I knew you I knew you would love that. Love it so much. <laughs> not not the last time I'll be talking about Captain Marvel this week. <laughs> uh, any other immortal Wonder Woman thoughts before we move on to the Nubia story? No. Nubian, I think. Can we excise that and make it the singer? <laughs> no. <laughs> Just if we can't excise me about to say, what's a Nubia? To uh, reference Chasing Amy. So. Ah, Chasing Amy, yes. Uh, bring in the Kevin Smith chat all the way back. Um, mm-hmm. All right, so this is a really interesting story because so we have not seen Nubia in a while. We have not seen Nubia out front like this in an even longer time. And there's going to be a Nubia all ages OGN coming out soon written by LL McKinney who wrote this story. So this is another instance of there being a story in here that is going to be referenced maybe outside of here, but maybe not, but the character will be, it's just, it, to me, that's the most wild part of future state. Like you were saying before Vince. Yeah. It's in this case, it's a, it's telling a future story about this character who's supposed to be reestablished in a book that doesn't necessarily take place in DC continuity that isn't even out yet. Right, exactly. (laughs) But this is set squarely in future state continuity. Yes. Yes. Also has a character in it that has played a prominent role in DC continuity in recent years. Grail? Who we'll never be able to get rid of. (laughs) Thank you, James Robinson. (laughs) yeah um this was this was okay but it was it was very see i'm i'm fast i've thought about immortal wonder woman every day since i read it and i haven't thought about this nubia story even though i think it's it's fine like it was certainly an enjoyable read but it is such a straightforward sort of cape comic story there's nothing remarkable about it there's nothing to there's not a lot to sink your teeth into where like immortal wonder woman is 
fascinating and maybe a tad frustrating, but I've, I've been trying to chew on it and think about it every day since I've read it. Right. Which you mentioned, which you mentioned quickly, it's, it, it is written by Ella McKinney, illustrated by Aletha Martinez. Um, it, lo- it looks nice. It does look nice. I, I had one question about this issue that I wasn't sure how to read. And, and this is a problem I think I have with, with comics. Um, so th- there, there's sort of two different kinds of comics, right? There's the comic that every single thing that happens is answered by an editor's box or some shitty expository dialogue like, hello, Alfred, my butler, who has been with me since my parents were killed, right? That kind of thing. Were we supposed to recognize her aunt, her Aunt Nancy? Because um, the way the scene is set up, it almost looks like we're supposed to recognize who that is. Right. Um, she was in that flashback, I think, when she grabbed the the amulet but i don't know that we i mean because she mentioned seeing her in that vision but i don't know that you would be able to like put those together i certainly didn't until she mentioned like i saw you in that flashback i wasn't sure if this was going to be that there was like a quote new nubia and this was supposed to be the old nubia i I don't think that's it. I don't really think so either. It's just a. Uh, I just wasn't sure the way it, the way it's shown is just a little bit strange. I I thought that too, and then I but then I did a Google search and didn't come up with anything. So I just then I just assumed like something was just lost in. I don't know. Well, just wait. It's going to be something from that newbie, a real one graphic novel yeah quite possibly there's, there's gonna be like an a nancy in there or something i bet i bet that's it i bet that's gonna be it that doesn't make any sense at all but i think that, i think you're right yeah yeah because I... wait a minute because wait wait let, let me let me just work this out a little bit more sure that's a that's a that's a ya novel right so it's meant for like you said it was all ages, right? I believe so. Newbie is like supposed to be young in that, right? I believe so. Yeah, it's going to be like it's going to be like her aunt in that book or her, you know, whatever parental figure. Interesting. Yeah, this story was fine. I didn't have too much to say about it. Um and part of that is like you said, after having your brain exploded with the first half of the book, this just feels very, very, uh, I don't know if safe is the right word, but just there, there's not a ton there. It's safe, yeah. Yeah, it's just, yeah, it's a standard cape comic booking. It's it's well done, but... <coughs> yeah. Excuse me. I tried to mute, sorry. That's okay. <laughs> Couldn't quite do it. There, there's somebody out there whose kink is you sneezing on the podcast. So. Oh, Christ. <laughs> there's more where that came from <laughs> on our patreon yes absolutely for um, five dollars a month i will sneeze into a microphone for five minutes at a time um anything else to say about this issue Mm-mm. Mm-mm. 
Okay, then let's move on to the next Batman number two. This is the first time we've gotten a continuation of a story. Um, not the last time this week in a really weird way, but we'll talk about that when we get to it. This one is written by John Ridley, and um, we, have, we have breakdowns by Nick Darrington, but pencils and inks by Laura Braga here, which is, I mean, I think Laura Braga is a good artist. I don't want to take anything away from her, but I was so looking forward to more Nick Darrington art. And it felt like a little bit of a letdown to not get more Darrington art here. Um, that's yeah, where... that's a that's a bait and switch right there. Yeah, um, and and that is that is maybe where my I don't want to say issues with this issue. I, I I didn't think this was I didn't think this was bad necessarily, but I felt like there was something in the first issue that was much more enjoyable than this one, and I think this story is about as compelling as that one was. So I think it's just the art. I think the art in this is just a little bit more conventional sort of uh, superhero comics that we're used to getting versus I think that Darrington usually just approaches things in a really different, interesting way. This issue was also not colored by Tamara Bonvillain. Uh, it was covered by Arif Prianto. And again, I just feel like the art quality on this issue is such a drop off from the first one, even though I think it doesn't look bad. It's just the first one was so great that that is where my uh, lack of enjoyment from this issue came from, mostly. Um, Zach, what did you think? Yeah, pretty much the same. I I didn't care for this. Um, uh, I I didn't. I'll just go ahead and say I didn't really like a single story from this issue. We'll get to we'll get to that in a little. A little while I'm just gonna blanket statement. I didn't like any of these. I think the next Batman as a whole has been my my big stinker of the of Future State so far. You're forgetting the Flash, but we'll talk about that another time. Okay, yeah, but my point still stands. There's a lot. There's a lot in these issues, and I've not really liked anything other than that Outsiders story. Mm-hmm. Vince, what say you? Um, I'm pretty much this, the same as you guys. Um, I just think, I think the next Batman, despite having a new Batman in the Batman role and a black Batman is playing it way too safe. And it's crazy to me. This is a four. This is a, the next Batman is a four issue story. And this second issue is almost a retread of everything we already got in the first issue. And again, plot's not everything, but if you think about what happens in this second installment, um, to, uh, Tim Fox or Jace, I guess, is, you know, um, fighting crime, getting caught by the magistrate. It's not supposed to be out there because he's a mask. Um, you know, I guess you learn a little bit more about like some specific personalities within the magistrate, but, but that whole sequence of events is, is something we've already seen this stuff with his mother, um, dealing with mayor, uh, Nakano or whatever his name is, um, about how this law isn't going to hold up in court again, that's like retreaded material from the first issue. Um, like we've already seen her determine that this law is too 
flimsy to hold up in court. Um, so, you know, I'm not sure what that scene gets across. I've talked about how these bad books are pretty slick and digestible compared to some of the other future state uh, books we've gotten as far as like exposition or whatever goes. But this is this is like almost too much in the other direction where um, there's there's not a lot of meat here at all. We're we're retreading the same stuff over and over again and. You know, for for it being a, a new Batman, a new guy under the cowl, they're not really doing anything with it. At least in Future State, I'm sure there. I'm sure there's going to be more uh, Tim Fox Batman in the future because we already know that there's another story outside of Future State, right? Yeah, it's going to be happening. One of the Batman black and white issues. Yeah, and so I'm sure that I'm sure this character will show up again outside of this status quo but like like i want i want to like this character and i want to read stories about them but this story is not giving me something different enough it's not giving me a different perspective on this batman really i Um, think that this story feels even more like a new 52 story than any of the other ones we've gotten so far yeah i can i can see that um, I, I know I said that earlier um, for the Catwoman story, but I, I feel like a lot of times in the New 52, they were very slow to parse out information. And when the information did get to you, it was almost always underwhelming. And I feel like the the revelation, like obviously we had this, the reveal of this not being Luke Fox, but being Tim Fox. We had that blown up for us when the cover to this issue was released however many long how many months ago as part of the solicitations right um but like to understand who this is you have to remember one line of dialogue from last time that he's going by jace not by tim yeah and it's not like this is a character that we see a lot of so it's not like when he pulls the mask off like, if the next Batman was Clark Kent and he pulled the mask off, you would say, oh, shit, that's Clark Kent. Nobody is like, oh, well, look at that. It's 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 Tim Jace Fox there. Like, that's just yeah. not something someone's going to say. So I feel like the reveal is not – there's no there's no weight to the reveal whatsoever. Which, by the way, the only reason – the only DC Comics reason he's going by Jace is so that nobody's saying Tim and anyone's thinking Tim Drake, right? Exactly. Yes, one hundred percent. That's so bizarre. Yeah. That is such that is such a stupid editorial thing that they had to do. Yeah. Um, but whatever. Two people but, can be named Tim, everyone. Exactly. It's fine. But do you agree that this feels like that that, that reveal didn't 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 feel like meaningful at all. Yeah. Especially cause they're not really doing anything with it. You know, I, I want to see a story that's truly about, uh, what makes, uh, a black man wearing the bat suit, like important and cool. And, uh, you know, I, I feel like I feel like we're getting a very generic Batman story here. There's there's time for it to change. There's time for it to 
expound on that. It seems to me like, you know, when Asriel was wearing the bat suit, there was a lot made about how much more violent he was than Bruce, and that sort of set him apart. When Dick wore the bat suit, there's a moment in, I believe it's Scott Snyder's um, Black Mirror story in Detective Comics, where he's talking to Gordon on the roof, and then Gordon turns around and he's still there. And he says, like, I'm not used to you still being there when I turn around. It was a really shorthand way to remind you that this is not the same Batman you've known before. And I don't think anything that Tim Fox does in this issue feels even remotely different from what Bruce Wayne would have done. So why are we why are we even having this story told? Well, and you know, I and I don't need I don't need I don't even need um, Tim Fox's Batman to behave differently because, um, you know, perhaps the point of the story is that Batman is Batman. You know, there's all, at one point some character, I think it's Dick in a different issue, says, you know, there's always going to be a Batman or something like that. Right, right. Um, but, but I think this story is selling Tim Fox short. I was excited you know, before they acted, before they actually introduced him as the next Batman, he showed up in like an issue of Batman or an issue of Detective or something. He showed up along the way. Somewhere. It was that Detective Ten Twenty Seven issue. Sure, yeah. And there were little hints about his personality and his role within the the Fox family and why he had been away for so long, and. I want more of that. I want more of the personality behind Tim Fox. If he's the, if he if he operates as the same sort of Batman, that's that's fine with me. You know, I just want more of the character, and I I want that for all these characters. Um, I'm I'm not just trying to single out this one, but you know, like I I just feel like we've gotten so little of it. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Zach, you got it. Sorry, I kind of no, I'm no, you're filibustering here. I, I agree with every everything. Yeah, it's just um, it kind of it kind of stinks, you know, that this is one of the few stories that's going to get four issues, and already it kind of feels like two of those issues have been squandered. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I'm not not loving it. A little disappointed because I I wanted all the things that you that you guys have already mentioned. So. Yeah. Speaking of stories that feel like the new 52. <laughs> Is this your, your Batgirls uh, segue here? Yeah. All right. We're going to talk about uh, Batgirls, which is the second story here. This is the story that I think for all of us we were maybe most excited about because we are all pretty big fans of Cassandra Kane and um, and Stephanie Brown. And this was certainly not what I thought it was going to be. Uh, this is written by Vita Ayala, illustrated by Anike. Anike? I don't know how that name is pronounced. My apologies. Anika? Anika. Um, what the fuck was this, guys? Um, I, I, I don't know what it was because... 
so I had, <laughs> I don't know if you kept it in the episode or not. The last time we talked about Future <laughs> I, I got, State. I got rid of it. You edited it out. Yeah. Okay. I I blew it by talking about Steph Brown from a different book, from the Robin Eternal book, was it? Mm-hmm. And how that Steph Brown didn't seem like this Steph Brown at all. And now, Zach, you're the timeline guru. A- am I crazy? Is there a reason? No, the, these those two stories are set like in 2025 zone. So I don't okay. know like which one is supposed to be happening before or after the other one. That's the other thing with this is just like the timeline is basically like a dozen points and like the books are just thrown into one of those 12 points on the timeline with right. like no uh you know it's just like these happen around the same time as each other yeah and so uh, this is where this is where i could see where if if future state were 5g or whatever if it were spread out over a longer period of time it would maybe make sense why Steph Brown is one way in this comic and why she's different in the Robin Eternal comic has a different role. It kind of feels like this was pulled from some other, this or that was pulled from some other storyline and kind of made to fit. And it doesn't really fit because she seems like a completely different person in this comic by the way, this to me, this doesn't seem like Cassandra Kane either. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Like, I actually, I actually think that's the bigger issue in this, because for me, like, look, yes, the timeline says that these take place in the same time, but if there's a year between them, I could see this. I could see that. I could see Robin Eternal either being. You know, um, this is after she was, you know, deep undercover in in whatever holding place that is. I forget if they actually say where where they're being held. But like, if, if that's you know, if prison Steph is a year before that as she's undercover, and then we see her come out of that, and and that's sort of her new role in the resistance is inspired or informed, whatever, by her time in prison. I can buy that. I don't understand how this is the same cast we've seen, like in not even in other future staples. It just doesn't feel like the same character at all. Yeah, it's weird. All the the motivations in this issue are really weird. The explanations, like, kind of try to make sense of it. Um, the reveal at the end, I think, is kind of good. Uh, or it's not even at the end, actually. It's, like, towards the end of, like, you, you know, essentially they, they think Bruce is being held there, but it's not Bruce. We know where Bruce is. He's in the he's in Catwoman. Um, this has a different reveal that I think is good. Um, again, like, I just have to, like, even though I'm trying to follow the timeline, I have to like shut off the timeline part of my brain because um, 
Barbara Gordon shows up in another book this week too. <laughs> um, and it's like, I don't know, but is this before or after? Who knows? Um, but it's okay. Like when the story is like good and enjoyable, but I, I just like had a bit of a hard time following this kind of just had to like, you know, trudge through it is how I felt. Yeah, I don't. I, 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 there's not a lot about this to enjoy to me. When I heard that there was going to be a cast and Steph story, this is about the furthest thing I thought it would be, tonally and everything else. Uh, even when I read the sort of solicit description of this, it still did not sound. Man, I, I just, I just don't know. I, this, this just does not. This is not at all what I want from these characters, and and look, DC is not writing books for me. I'm not. I'm not trying to say that this is a wrong interpretation or a bad interpretation. It is not for me. Uh, like you said, Vince, this feels very much like a New Fifty Two comic. It feels dark and grimy for no real reason, and um, the timeline. One of my issues with with Future State in general is just that I feel like there is almost no consideration given to the reader who is reading all of this. I feel like that's usually the opposite critique that I have. Right? Some so many times we have a we have a story like where if if you miss a chapter of the story, you're fucked. Right? You don't you don't know what's going on. Whereas like this, if you're reading all of these stories, I don't know how you could possibly keep track of, of 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 what's happening where like there's a in in the superman uh worlds of war issue later there's a story that follows up a story we have not read yet yeah and i i <laughs> yeah. I, I, I wanted to talk about that because that well i'll save it for when we get to it right but but just i like, think i yeah yeah but, but my point is just like if you're only reading one of these books then these then these timeline things don't matter to you because you don't know that there's another Steph Brown running around acting differently, or you don't know mm-hmm. that Barbara Gordon is technically in two places at once here. Right. You don't know all that stuff, but, but if you, if you would think that if you, even if you stuck to just one court, like you would think like, okay, if I stick to all the bad books and I don't read anything else, that'll tell a coherent story together. Right. right. And it doesn't. Right. <laughs> exactly. So it's, it's just, it's very strange. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, let's move on to the Gotham City Sirens story here, which is written by Paula Sevenbergen and illustrated by Rob Haynes with sorry, breakdowns by Rob Haynes, illustrated by Emmanuel Lupacino. I don't know if it's that Lupacino did not do the breakdowns herself, but this did not this is not the good Lupacino. And Lupacino is always good, so I, I thought the art was okay in this. It's okay. But it's, it's it's okay, but Lupacino's not just okay. Yeah, this is definitely nah, the worst oh, Lupacino I've seen. I guess I, I didn't think it was that bad. I, I guess I can see a, a small downgrade. Um, I just didn't care for this story very much. I, I know that somewhere in the Twin Cities, one of us was hooting and hollering at a Slam Bradley appearance. <laughs> Um. <laughs> yeah, but but uh, 
they did the thing where he's like, I'm, I'm, I'm four days from retirement. (laughs) (laughs) He just gets ill. The most telling. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's our shit. Yes, it is. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Here we go. I'm thinking about giving up the bar. Maybe buy a house, grow a garden. I'm not racist anymore. <laughs> <laughs> he says that here. That um, in dialogue, yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, no. Uh, I, man, the only, the only thing I really liked about this story is the idea of Slam Bradley um, have owning a speakeasy for these people to sneak away for the masks to sneak away to. I think that's a very charming idea. Sure. I think the the execution of that idea is, is pretty charming. I think the rest of this story, man, th- this is, oh, this is future state, but they're making like a number of very outdated pop culture references, but also like that is also kind of part of the point. I guess with this robot DD character. I mean, they did just announce a Sex in the City sequel yesterday. Right, that's true. So, so maybe maybe we're not out of the woods there, but yeah. But I just it just read kind of funny to me that way and and I don't know if I cared about this DD character at all, especially since like in the Batman Beyond timeline, there's a DD character that I believe is Harley Quinn's like twin daughters or something. Our our Dee Dee, Deandra and Deandra and somebody else. And anytime I think of the name Deandra, I think of uh, it's always sunny, and I think of Danny DeVito saying Deandra. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, uh, yeah, I just don't get. I don't know. I don't know. I don't, didn't really get what they were going for here. It felt like. It was supposed to be light and jokey, but it wasn't very funny. I I don't know. Don't worry, guys. We get part two of this eventually. Well, well, maybe it'll be better than part one. I'm an optimist. Since when? <laughs> I don't know. I I, I want to like a Gotham City Sirens book because I I liked the first run of that so much, but this doesn't doesn't really resemble it. So. Zach, any other thoughts on this? Mm-mm. All right, well, let's take a break, and when we come back, we will discuss the final uh, Future State issues of this week, so stay tuned. Hello, everybody. My name is Mike. And I'm Greg. And together, we are Robots from Tomorrow, a twice-weekly podcast appearing at MultiversityComics.com. Each week, we take some time to check out books and shelves on Wednesday that are worth your attention. And each month, we dissect the previous catalog. We also have long-form discussions about books we've enjoyed, like Dan Clow's Ghost World and Jack Kirby and Mike Royer's Commanding. And if that's not enough, we also do creator interviews. Some of the talks you'll find in our archives feature Mike Mignola, Leila Del Duca, Sean Martinborough, Emma Beebe, and Greg Rucka. So that's a lot of content for everybody. Please subscribe to Robots from Tomorrow in iTunes or Stitcher so you never miss a thing. Robots from Tomorrow has hours of comic-focused entertainment week in and week out. And now, back to your show. And we are back with Future State Nightwing number one, 
written by Andrew Constant, illustrated by Nicola Scott. And this is a good, as good a time as any to say that we got a lot of really great art this week, specifically from female creators. We don't see a ton of uh, female artists at DC because DC's hiring practices are still not, you know, up to where they should be. But we got Jen Bartel, we got Aletha Martinez, we got um, Manuel Lupacino, Nicola Scott. So it's nice to see some of the uh, some of the the DC talent be be some women here. So I just want to take a moment to say that. Um, Vince, what did you think of Nightwing, who is actually called Grimdark by a character in the issue? You're you're stealing all my shit here, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah. Here, here, here. He like specifically grim, darker. Yeah, gr- yeah. yeah. Br- Brian, Brian's job is to like shoot it to us, and then we spin the gold, and then he just sits there like a simp, and he's messing that up tonight <laughs> by having opinions I, on things. I'm, ki- I'm kidding, Ryan. I'm kidding. I'm trying. I'm trying to be reductive. Uh, to hurt my feelings. Yeah, I, I get it. No. <laughs> no, no, no. Yes, there's a character that says you're grim darker than you were before, <laughs> which is, come on. <laughs> that, you know, that aside, there were things to like about this issue. It's pretty slight. Um, Dick gets lured into this like honeypot by the magistrate where these like people are getting mugged or whatever. And so he shows up, Oh, but he's a mask. So he's not supposed to be there. And then it turns out the the people who are getting mugged were, um, you know, to me, that was very predictable. Um, the new, I mean, Hey, I appreciate cheesecake. I appreciate Dick Grayson cheesecake, especially because like that's become an in joke. That is such an in joke that it's reality now. Um, so we got a shower scene with Dick, but like Tim, man, why, why, why are you fighting Dick in the shower? Like you couldn't wait till like, you just wanted to talk. You couldn't wait till he was like out of the shower and you know, um, this was fine. The art was the best thing about it. Uh, I think Nicholas Scott's great. I think this is even like, this is a slightly less detailed Nicholas Scott than I feel like we got with the Wonder Woman in Rebirth. Whereas yes. like those those were like painstakingly detailed pages from her. These are a, a little just ever so slightly. It's definitely her still. It, it's definitely like unmistakably Scott art. But it's just ever so slightly looser. And I actually think I prefer this. Interesting. Um, Not to say that that other super detailed stuff is not great, but like, I kind of, I kind of like when she loosens it up a little bit. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I, I, she's, she's one of my favorite artists, period. Um, But yeah, I'm, I, I want to see more of this. I want to see her do like uh, more like sequential work at DC and Marvel. Or, or DC if she's exclusive, I don't know. But, like, I want to see her do more of that work. And if she can work quicker by being, like, a little looser or whatever, all the better. Because I think this stuff actually looks better. Zach? Yeah, yeah. No, this was good. I 
love the art. This is like the first Scott art we've gotten in a really long time, as far as I remember. Um, it was really good. Um, She's been doing the creator-owned series with uh, Greg Rucka, right? That's right. What is that book? Black Magic. Is it that one? Uh, maybe. Yeah, I I'm think so that's bad right. With the titles. Yeah. But I think I don't even know how long. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, but no, this was really good. The magic. Um, I actually thought the stuff with Tim here was like the best Tim stuff that we've gotten. Agreed. Um, and um, yeah, I don't have a ton to say about this issue, but I, I enjoyed it. It takes a lot for me to be meh on a Dick Grayson comic. Um, but this was fine. You know, like Zach said, I think that the Tim stuff here is the best stuff we've gotten from him under the cowl yet. Um, you know, I I know that sort of the point of this is that he's darker than he normally is, but that's not the fun of Dick Grayson. A darker Dick Grayson does nothing for me. And I also think like without the lines that are saying like, oh man, you're, you're, you're hard now. <laughs> like, I think without that, you wouldn't have even really noticed, you know, probably like, I don't, like, I don't think, I don't think this is a grim, dark story without that guy saying, oh, man, you're twisted, <laughs> you know? Well, like, if someone didn't actually sit there and say that the Joker is twisted, would you even really know? Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> that's why that that's why that uh, black label Joker psychiatrist book was so good because like you really got into the mind of the Joker. Yes. No, you know, not at all. Um, I did. I did think that the Nicola Scott art was really good. Um, you mentioned before Vince is another book where Barbara Gordon shows up here, shows up, and it's here where Zach. she is. Did Zach say that? I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, we do that once an episode, by yes, the way. Yes, we do. One of us confuses something that the other one said. Um, so take a drink, everybody. And uh, <laughs> yeah, but so Barbara shows up here calling herself Batgirl again in a very different costume, uh, which I actually kind of liked. I would like to see more of that. But it's a one second thing. It's not a big deal at all. And uh, overall, I think this was just, just fine. I have no real, I have no real thoughts on it beyond that. Anything else to say? All right. Mm -mm. Let's move on to, um, well, my dick's hard. Future State Shazam, number one. Whoa. Yikes. uh, Tim Sheridan and Eduardo Pensica. It's a, um, this is pretty much, uh, this has like my dream Teen Titans team in it. It's it's got Bunker. It's got um, not Power Girl, but Powerhouse. Power, yeah, which mm-hmm. was a Wildstorm character. So I don't know if that's you know with Wildstorm popping back up in the DCU, I don't know if that's supposed to be a Wildstorm legacy character. It's no. it's not it's not that character, but I think that's I think that's from Deathstroke. That's Tanya. Yeah. Oh, was that her name in that? 
No, no. What we were saying that that's clearly her, and so she's going by powerhouse now, not power oh, girl. I did, I, I didn't. Oh, pow, oh, I did not even make that connection. Yeah, I, I'm a dumb dumb. So you know, you put you put the two of them. You put Shazam. You have uh, Vixen is a always a fun character to have around. The question, man, this is a, this is an amazing, amazing team, and the there's this running thing through the book where people keep calling Shazam Billy, and he keeps saying, "Don't call me Billy," and you find out why at the end. It's because Billy and Shazam have been separated. This was a really, really fun comic. Vince said in a uh, in Lad's chat. That Tim Sheridan is the secret MVP of Future State, and I think that uh, I have told the Avengers Academy that Teen Titans Academy is going to be like one of the um, is going to be one of the most important and fun Infinite Frontier books. Zach, what did you think of this? Yeah, I I mostly dug this. I do get like a little tired of like dark Shazam stories. Agreed. Um, which is very much like what this is. Um, but the premise is really interesting. It's really interesting to me that Sheridan is writing this and the uh, Teen Titans book. Um, and kind of like the interplay between those two books a little bit. You know, we saw this team in Teen Titans, but turning over to my handy timeline uh this is taking place two years after the teen titans book um so this is later on the the thing with the with like the horsemen um which i think was referenced in this wasn't it was this the book that had like the scene with amanda waller in it or am i making that up there's a there's a quick Amanda Waller in here. Yeah, and she says something like, "We can handle war and we can handle death." Um, it seems like this book and Teen Titans and Flash are all together telling this weird story about the Four Horsemen that seems like very nebulous, and I don't know if it'll ever make sense. <laughs> like maybe after we get all the issues, it will. Um, but. Again, like, I think this is, uh, that's again, kind of like playing into like me just being a little worried that this isn't all going to shake out. And if this had, like Vince said earlier, you know, if this is all had time to kind of like tell its big, like maxi story, it might be a lot more satisfying. But in the case of just reading this one issue, it, it was pretty satisfying in its own way. So, you know, a little of this, a little of that. Um, it's really interesting that we don't know who this question is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I want to comment before I turn it over to Vince on Zach. It's, about... it's, it's Doomsday Clock Rorschach, by the way. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no. 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 Reggie. Um, no, before I turn it over to Vince, I, I do want to say that um, I, too, am sick of sort of dark Shazam stories. But w the reason I'm usually sick of those is because I think that at his core, Billy Batson is such a positive character and so by removing billy batson from the scenario i think it makes sense to have a darker story i don't mm. i don't love that but i think that there's an in-story reason for that that is way different than your usual like broody shazam stuff yeah 
you know, also big Neuron appearance. Yeah. Uh, we're really paying off on that, uh, the Crisis reread. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm so glad we did that. Yeah. <laughs> Vince, what'd you think of this? I loved it. Um, no surprise there. Um, you loved it without even realizing that it was the Tanya Power Girl. Well, yeah, that's such a that's a minuscule part of it. No, it's not. That's we love that character. We're waiting for that character's return. Yeah, that's a minuscule part of this issue, though. Like, she's in what four panels? Don't you four know that floors. Brian and I only look at a book and see who's on the team in the book, and then we decide whether or not the book is good or yeah, not. Yeah, ten out of ten. The costumes are great. That's you. You're. I'm I'm the I'm the voice of reason. You're, you're a fucking other site. Jesus Christ! I, you guys make me edit so much of this fucking show. I oh. I am the intellectual here who Please. talks about comics the right way. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Look, we're both we both it. mentioned comic sites that don't exist anymore, so it's fine. Uh, yeah. One of those still very much exists, you assholes. <laughs> Which one? <laughs> the first one mentioned. Oh, they do. Yes. No, well, they don't. Yes, they do. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. <laughs> Let's get back to the positive here. Let's accentuate the positive. I they don't. <laughs> I was on that site yesterday looking at something, Zach. You were cheating on us? No, I had to look at because comic book database is down. Oh, it does because it got bought by. That doesn't count. They're <laughs> they're gone. We're talking about. The... <laughs> Fuck you guys. Just put bleeps in. It'll be really funny. I, I, oh, I will. Oh, I will. <laughs> Just, just covered up with Zach saying the T word. <laughs> That's a little pre-show treat there for y'all. Motherfucker, that's funny. Oh God, just to hear that. I might have to do a secret edit just for you guys of that. You know, yeah. We'll release it. Sure. Yeah, spend less time with your kids. Patreon uh, content, $100 a month. Hear that con- Hear that edit. Oh, oh man. All right. Back to, why I, back to why I loved this issue and why Tim Sheridan is the secret MVP of Future State. It's because his books so far have been the ones that have felt the most like my platonic ideal of what the DC universe is. Every page of this damn book, it seemed, showed you another character uh, from the DCU that we, you know, maybe we saw them recently or maybe we haven't, but it's all these disparate elements coming together to make it feel like a universe. Over in the Bat books, it's mostly pretty much Bat characters. Over in the Superman books, it's pretty much just Superman characters right now. This is like a mashup of heroes and villains that don't necessarily go together, but you know, because of Future State or whatever, they're coming together to form this team. Or there are villains that are put together for whatever reason. Or 
there are not like heroes or villains that are currently being um, dealt with within the story, but they make an appearance for whatever reason or their existence is acknowledged. I'm thinking of like Neron right now. Like we only saw him in like one or two panels or maybe a page, but like, like what is he doing in this book? I don't know yet, but you know, anything could happen. It's, it's, it's a DCU that feels like living and breathing and vibrant and not closed off from the other corners of the DCU, you know, this is as inclusive as a DCU book has been in a while, you know? Um, and I feel like without, you know, Francis Manipal, uh, Trinity number one-ing myself here, I am just so excited that Tim Sheridan is going to be writing at least one book coming out of Future State. Because I feel like I can immediately tell that he gets what makes the DCU tick. And I feel like we need more people at DC who can spin a DCU story that takes all these elements and makes them feel like a universe. And I'm getting that from his books in spades, I think. Does that, yeah, yeah. Is that too all, much all, gushing? No, all that makes a lot of sense to me. I, I, I think that's, I think that's very true. I felt that the team in this book, maybe because of the presence of the question there kind of reminded me of the two different teams of detectives in event Leviathan mm-hmm. in part, because I, I felt like those were such, those were such fresh pairings of characters. We didn't see the typical people, you know, um, put together. And this team is certainly similar in that way. Yeah. And that's a good thing. Yeah. I, I think what you said is, is sort of right on the money there in terms of him being, a writer who gets what DC is kind of supposed to be in terms of how the characters interact with one another. Yeah. So have we, has, is Tim Sheridan like a brand new name in comics? I thought he had done like some kind of like a book with the, uh, the vertigo relaunch from like no. a couple years ago. I'm okay. That's Rob Sheridan. Ah, okay. Yeah. So he's a totally new name to us. Yeah. Animation, I believe is, Yes. Let, let me look that up. He was you. doing. He was doing, um, superhero girls. Okay. I want to say maybe the. Um, I don't think he did the comics. I think he did, the the um, the the TV series. Looks like he also did some Justice League action stuff. Mm-hmm. And okay. um, yeah. Well, cool. That's very interesting to me because of this whole time I was thinking that he was the same person as Rob Sheridan, and I couldn't even remember what book that Rob Sheridan did. I'd looked; it was that high level. I was going to say that, it was high level. Yeah. Yeah. Barnaby began to write. Yep. Yeah. Anything else to say about Shazam? Uh, it's good. I like the team. More teams like this. You like the costumes? Uh, the costumes are really good. They all look good together. It's a good like diversity of colors. Um, you got greens and purples, which you you don't always get on hero teams. You know those are those are bad guy colors and oranges right. with Vixen. Yeah. Anytime you have green and purple and orange represented on a team, I'm going to say it looks good. All right. Uh, well, I just want to mention one more thing. I, sure. I, 
in saying, like, I, I'm flipping from page to page and seeing all these uh, different elements of the DCU come together, I, I make it sound like all that makes a good DC story is just jamming a bunch of shit I like together, which is not no, true. That is actually true, though. But, but that is good. That's extremely good. But he doesn't forget the heart. Even just those two pages of the not Billy Shazam waking up and having Mary Marvel call the call his cell phone mm-hmm. and the first the first time he hangs up and looks like frustrated and the second time he answers and is crying and then smashes the phone like it's two small little moments but they're they're nice breathers in this issue where they're throwing a lot at you and i feel like it's getting to the heart of what's going on with Shazam right now so like he doesn't forget that stuff either. So I think he's like seemingly a very talented writer whose talents seem to line up pretty well with with what a good DC comic is on average. Um so that makes me even more excited. Yeah. Mhm. All right, well, let's finish off our discussion here by talking about Superman Worlds of War, number one. Uh, the Superman story is written by Philip Kennedy Johnson, illustrated by Michael Janine. Uh, Johnson, of course, is the um, the new writer of Superman in Action Comics, spinning out of War World. Not War World, Future State. God damn it. Um, and, and this issue is, it, the story is called The Many Deaths of Superman. And it's it's an issue that I think is far more instructive about what Johnson's run is going to be than it is an issue of Future State. It's a very weird comic because it's it's basically just it's people telling different stories about sort of legends about Superman, both how Superman saved their lives and people have different thoughts about Superman's been missing for a while, so where he's gone, if he's dead, what he's doing, blah, 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 blah. blah. And I feel like Johnson uses this issue to get out a lot of his sort of theories about Superman, which is not a bad thing, but we really don't get anything about the story that's happening here until like the last page of of the Superman story. Um I mean, Michael Janine's art is really good. I had no real problem with this. It's just an odd use of of an issue. What did you guys think? Well, that's because it's extremely clear that this was supposed to be the first issue of Philip <laughs> Kennedy Johnson's longer run on Superman and not <laughs> the first issue of a two-issue series. Right? Yes. I mean, right. That's, like, yes. obvious. Yes. That said, I, I, I dug it, mostly. I dug it a lot, yeah. Like I, I liked the Smallville being kind of like a hokey uh, wall drug style town, carnival style town where they're like selling Superman junk because he's a legend, and um, the the stories of Superman's heroics were pretty good. Like, or the possible um, possible things that have happened to him since he left everybody or reasons why he left you know all that's all that stuff played really well i thought it was pretty well written do, do you guys remember that interview from when future state was first announced on I, I think it was on ign with the superman 
writers and they talked about, or I think it was the Superman editor and they talked about how they had had Grant Morrison come in and like do some consulting on the Superman books. Mm -hmm. Uh, I feel like we mentioned it like specifically with the, the Superman, the, the John Superman story, but I think like you can see it here too. It's like all over the place. Mm-hmm. And it's just good. <laughs> he's gonna go into the sun and release a bunch of. Uh, yeah. He's gonna he's gonna go pound off inside the sun, <laughs> and release a bunch of children. Yeah. And and Janine's art, like, I, I would never think of like, Superman as a good fit for his art, even though we did have him do some of those issues and the. Uh, what was that story called? The like the final days of Superman, the Tomasi oh, yeah. camper for the new yeah. fifty two, yeah. um, and that was good. But this is this is really good. I think um, th- this is great work. Um, Janine's a much better fit on Superman than than Batman oh, by a long so... shot. Yeah, much better fit with. A different writer. Sure, yeah. Did you guys notice that this Mongol has a Sinestro Corps symbol on his chest? No. Yeah. That's hmm. pretty fun. Yeah. I mean, he was in the Sinestro Corps during John's run. He has not been since then. Um, I just noticed that. It's like in one panel you can see like clearly the Sinestro Corps symbol, which makes me wonder if like Janine just like was working off of a picture of Mongol from that era and he didn't realize it was the Sinestro Corps symbol. He traced um, it. You no, know, it's clearly not a trace. I, know, I don't I'm think. Kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, no, he, he, he's not somebody else who's been. <laughs> um, but yeah, I know this was good. I, I like this a lot. Um, I'm, I'm really generally pretty excited for the Kennedy Superman books and and whatever then I'm I'm excited for the new Superman status quo. I've liked the Superman books by far the most out of Future State and I'm I'm excited to see where they're gonna go. I think this is a promising sign of things to come. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. I concur. So next up, we get a Mr. Miracle story by Brandon Easton and Valentine Delandro, which takes place after the next issue of Superman of Metropolis, which we have not received yet, and is just batty. I understand that that this is like it's it's very much a different story. It's not. It, it, yeah, it's listed as part one of of this story. Right. So it's it's not like it's not like there's something that happens in that second issue. That is going to greatly. I, I think it's just going to sort of tell you how he winds up here, but I just don't understand why. To me, this feels like the more important part of the Mister Miracle story. That first part felt very much yeah. like a bottled, weird little story. Although I enjoyed it, it doesn't. It didn't seem super essential. So I just don't know why you would have so much Shiloh Norman Mister Miracle it, that you can't fit it in in a normal publishing schedule. I understand why. Why is that? <laughs> because again, like this was supposed to be 
this was so clearly supposed to be some other structure. And what ended up happening was um, they needed to pad these issues out by packaging four books that may as well have been four separate books at one time into single issues to fit them in two months. And the only way they could figure out to, to do that was to pair some of this stuff up with Superman stories and in a regular release schedule, that other Mr. Miracle story would have come out already before this Superman worlds of war issue. But to fit it into two months, they and to keep it within the Superman family, they had to do it this way. Well, they're dumb because they should have put both halves of that Mr. Miracle story as one backup in the first issue of yes. Superman they Metropolis. They should have done that, yeah. And then just made yes. the second issue the uh, Metropolis Guardian backup. Absolutely. Yeah. You're 100% right. But, yeah. But that is why we ended up that's, – that's why we are where we are. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I guess they clearly did not want readers to feel like like that they, they didn't put they didn't make like that the the one from Man of Metropolis part one, this part two, then Man of Metropolis would have part three because then it's like if you're not buying this book you're missing out on one part of the story. I guess they didn't want to do that. Um mm-hmm. Yeah. Who knows? We know. <laughs> we know. We do know. Um, anything else to say about this? Um, I like this chapter of Mr. Miracle better than the first one. Um, and I like how this story interacts in a way with the main Superman story and with the third story um, in this set, uh, it kind of explicitly crosses over with that one. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I appreciate the interconnectivity within this issue. I think this is the only one that we've read that really does that in a significant way. Mm -hmm. And I liked that. Yeah, I, I yeah. thought this was fun. Yeah, I don't have too much more to say about it other than I, I do like the way that that these stories intersect with the War World stuff um, in a way that I guess I wasn't expecting. You know, after that, Metrop- that uh, Mr. Miracle and Metropolis story, I didn't expect that he would jump over here. And I was kind of glad that I was, even though it was out of order, I was glad that this was not just a continuation of that other story that was all of a sudden in a completely different place than the Superman worlds of war story. Um, yeah. So I appreciated that about it. Yeah. Yeah. Let's move on to the third story in this issue, which is a Midnighter story, which was uh, written by Becky Cloonan and Michael W. Conrad, same writing crew from the uh, Immortal Wonder Woman, and illustrated by Gleb Melnikoff, who... Bravest uh, man on Twitter. 
Yes, who <laughs> who got into some hot water recently for some Twitter comments that he was absolutely right about. But that's a whole other story. Um, this is a really fun issue, a fun story. I really like Melnikov's art here. I thought that the the coloring especially was excellent. I should see who was the colorist. I don't have that in my notes. Um, it's uh, Jordi Belair. Is yeah. Jordi Belair, man. I was going to say it feels like a Belair um, joint, but I feel like she's just – she's so ubiquitous that sometimes it's it's easy to just presume that she colors every book because she colors so many of them. Um, but no, it, she, it, this was this was a lot of fun. I really liked it was it was interesting to get um, Midnighter without his supercomputer, something we don't see that often. And we got uh, Apollo at the end of this too, which um, yeah, th- 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 this was a, a pretty good story. What did you guys think of this? I like this a lot. Yeah, yeah. I I liked the hyper violence of it all. I liked the the designs of the baddies. They felt like very '90s Wildstorm to me. Um, these kind of like cybernetic mutant monster things, really good stuff. Um, yeah, Malnikov's art is fantastic. Um, I, I just extremely good. And, and with Bel Air's colors on top, it's, it's a treat. I think we, uh, I think this <laughs> needs to be an ongoing maybe. Um, <laughs> and the, <laughs> I can't. The, the cyborg men with the very phallic Gatling guns <laughs> strapped to themselves. Just absolute genius. Um, yeah, it was really good. Yeah, you you basically went uh, point for point in my notes here. Ni- 90s Wildstorm, the guy with the rail gun in his stomach, whatever whatever you want to call it, Gatling gun. Um, yeah, just embracing the the roots of Wildstorm in a way that the Wildstorm integration into DC hasn't in a while, I feel. Like, there's been a lot of Wildstorm at DC over the last 10 years, but um, comics as a whole have kind of run away from that art style and that storytelling style. And this dove right back in in like a really joyous way uh, that I couldn't help, but I couldn't help but smile while reading this whole thing, even though it was like dumb in the best way possible. What did you guys think of, of Apollo's use here? Uh, It feels like a bait and switch. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. I mean, typical, typical of a last page reveal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Big, big super dickery, you know? Yeah. Um, one thing that I forgot to mention about Midnighter in the Mr. Miracle story is he specifically mentions the JLA and the authority. Yes. Uh, which, you know, who knows if that's a 5G relic or are we actually going to get the, the rumored return of the authority? Who knows? Um, but it's interesting that we haven't seen, presumably will not see the authority in future state. So... I don't know. Yeah, and then um, last and least in this <laughs> issue is the Black Racer story written by Jeremy Adams, illustrated by Sia Ohm. 
And I, my only note for this is this is a nothing war, war world story. I have, yeah. I have almost nothing to say about this. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's not even... It's not really the the Black Racer either. Um, I am interested in this character. Um, that makes one of us. Yeah, yeah. I mean, from purely from a design perspective, you know, not, nothing about the story is all that interesting. But um, it it could be interesting if it was given a little bit more room. Could be I interesting. Think. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. You basically got like future roller derby in space plus new gods yes potentially very very fun um but it wasn't here um unfortunately um and yeah just um very tangential to everything else that's happening in this book feel feels completely removed even though like it does take place on war world but really it's just more about like breaking these slaves i guess of war world out or which really didn't have anything to do with anything else in this issue and and wasn't all that fleshed out and yeah just yeah not all that interesting yeah i wish i had more to say about this but i don't so overall, this was a this was a weird week. I would say that this week was maybe the weakest of the three we've gotten so far. I mean, I I enjoyed Catwoman and Immortal Wonder Woman. I enjoyed um, the Shazam book, and I enjoyed parts of the Superman book. Most of the Superman book. Yeah, I would say I really I really liked the Superman book. And I like Shazam. The rest were all just pretty much okay to me, except for Next Batman, which I really didn't like. So, yeah, it, it's tough. Because I think artistically, this is one of the best weeks. Mm-hmm. They've all been good, though. Uh, again, I guess there wasn't like a like a Janelle Monet marguerite savage equivalent this week although janelle you know, Monet? You, did i say janelle Monet? you said janelle <laughs> you, you, you did. joel jones <laughs> oh man i, just, I would yeah, i would I'm, totally I just, read a janelle Monet penned or drawn dc comic well yeah. J- janelle Monet penned and let's have joel jones draw it. there we go absolutely Everybody yeah wins Sorry, I just made my computer all dirty. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, there wasn't like a Joel Jones, Marguerite Savage equivalent here this week necessarily. Although, you know, you had Otter Schmidt, you had Nicola Scott, you had that Glad Malikoff story. Mm-hmm. Those were all really good. Um, I would almost say that Gle- the Glad Malikoff story was kind of like my breakout art pick for the week. Um, just because of kind of how that came out of left field for me. Um, but yeah, I I don't know. I I would I don't I can't really say I like this more or less than any of the other weeks. It 
I think it all kind of averages out. Vincey? I think, I think on the whole, this was my least favorite week. Um, I don't know. It's not, it's not by much. Um, but I think I'm starting to settle into the future state thing and I'm starting to pick out, I'm starting to pick out things that I am interested in and kind of mentally discard the things that I'm not. And a lot of that stuff, it's looking like the bat Batman stuff, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think like, I don't, I don't necessarily think those stories are getting worse. They're just, the weeks are going on now and they're not doing enough to grab or keep my attention. And so I'm, I'm, I'm starting to focus in on the things that I really like, which turns out are the Tim Sheridan books and some of the Superman stuff. So, and the wonder and the wonder woman stuff. Although I'm 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 wonderfully confounded by Immortal Wonder Woman, <laughs> still. Yeah. What do we? Uh, does anybody have the list pulled up for next week? Uh, I was trying Jesus. to find it. <laughs> Hang on. <laughs> we got. I. Uh, everyone loves this feature. They, of they our love show. it when we do it. Um, yeah. Such a great bit. One of the classic. Hang on, I got it. I got it. I got it. Uh, I don't got it. Nope. None of these sites have like. Uh... Hang on, extended forecast. Extended forecast, baby. Fascinating radio. Edit this out, Brian. Nope. I know. Just us. I know just, us perform- just us committing uh, libel. It's it's edited out. There's no libel. Okay, I got it. Like... I got it. You got it. I got Go it. It's Go um Aquaman. I'll yeah. It, yeah, it's Aquaman, Batman Superman, Dark Detective number two, Legion of Superheroes, Suicide Squad, Superman versus Imperious Selects. So that, that sounds like a good week to me. Wait, did you say Legion of Superheroes? Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a future state Legion of Superheroes book I forgot about. Yeah, yeah. man. I remember on that teaser image there were like six different oh, Legion yes. characters. You know what? Because because this past week, the week we're talking about, a new Legion issue of Bendis's run came out. So in my head, I just thought, oh, I, I guess that I forgot that they were. I thought I just presumed they were sitting out this event. No, right. no, yeah, that one, at, that issue was heavily delayed. Okay, and um, at the at the on the last page of the of issue twelve. It says coming next future state legion. And, okay. and Brian, that's a Rosmo joint. Oh yeah. That's gonna be good. Yeah. It's gonna be good, yeah. Yeah, next we've got Gene Lu and Yang next week. We've got Rosmo art. We've got a Mark Russell story. It could be good. It could be. Let's hope so. Well, folks, thanks for listening. We truly appreciate it. Um, we would love to hear what you guys think about these books. We're recording these um, you know, somewhat in isolation before the issues come out, so it's hard for us to tell like, if our opinions line up with what everyone else thinks. So, Which is sure... the best way to do it. it. It is the best way to do it. Um, but I am interested to hear what people think about these books, so make sure to get in touch with us. Uh, you can do that on Twitter for two-thirds of us. I am at Brian Needs an App. And I'm at Wilker Fox. If you need to find Vince, unfortunately, many of the social media sites 
that he was um, he was a part wow. of have, have either been shut down or wow. have banned him from it. So no. talk about libel! <laughs> Holy shit! What? First of all, nothing happened to Farmers Only. That's true. Uh, Second of all, uh, I, I do not know what other sites I would be on okay, under your well, sick, sick scenario. Then I'll say this. You find him on Farmers Only under his username, Detective Incesto, which is a, <laughs> <laughs> a borderline inside joke from uh, earlier today. <laughs> Thanks for listening. <laughs> The first time I remember doing it, I was riding on jet skis with the Olsen twins. Wow. (laughs)